Hello, hello. Welcome to Mixtape and Identity. I'm your host, Shane. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode 44, and my guest this week is Barbara Mendez George. Thank you so much for joining me for the 44th case of Mixtape and Identity. My guest this week is Barbara Mendez George. Barbara or Babs, I got to know her through her excellent podcast, Over Underrated, um, which she has with her co-host Fran. Um, she'll talk about it at the end of the show, she'll give it a proper plug, so I'll not tell you the, the, the exact concept and how it works right now, but uh, the thing that strikes me about that show is that Babs and Fran both talk about music in a really sort of, uh, a very knowledgeable way, they talk about the music itself, which is something that I don't necessarily talk about in my show, so I find that approach very interesting. Um, and they're both very, very good at it, which is which is key. Um, and I think that's reflected in Bab's list, for sure. Um, there's a lot in here that I find fairly challenging, um, but I really, really enjoyed it. And she approached the chat in a, real, in a, in a way that I appreciated as well. Very, very open, uh, very honest. Um, yeah, put a lot of thought into it, which is, um, which is always good for a podcast. Uh, if you're new here, if this is your first time listening, then just let you know that the playlist that we're talking about that is available on Spotify. We release those ahead of the episode, so it's available on a Monday. Um, if you want to look it up, uh, it's in the in the show notes. Uh, it's also on Spotify if you look up Mixtape and Identity, or if you want to get all the links, then check us out on Instagram at Mixtape and Identity. I'll be back at the end of the show, but for now, we'll get into episode 44 of Mixtape and Identity with Barbara Mendez George. So I listen to music pretty much every day, but I listen to music these days a lot less than when I was a teenager. I think podcasts right. took over, you know. Sure. Uh, I've been listening to podcasts for over 10 years, and I'd say especially in the last five to six years, been really, really into podcasts. So that's definitely displaced some of the music listening. But right. when I work, I listen to music most of the time unless I really, really need to concentrate. And I listen to music always on public transport. Um, right. I don't. I don't have a car, so uh, if I did, I would definitely be listening to music and have kind of car albums. I'm sure because when I when I do have a car, I think about very meticulously about what I'm going to play. But right. uh, but yeah, kind of doing things around the house, working and on public transport is normally when I listen to music. Okay, and you mentioned albums there. So do you typically listen to albums, or do you go for playlists, or what's what's the go to? I listen to albums less and less <laughs> again right. compared to sure. when I was younger, you know, streaming. I don't know if it's the same for you. Yeah. Um, you know, for I have a music podcast and whenever I need to think about kind of my favorite albums of the year or what I've been listening to, mm-hmm. it's a much shorter list than I imagine of full albums that I've actually listened to because right. of uh, because of the nature of streaming and I think my my attention span as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. It, it, it depends on the mood, but like I find less and less that I have like the time or energy for. Well, I did find I had less time and energy for trying new music. Mm. Um, that's one of the things about good things about doing this show. I don't know if you find the same with with yours, but kind of forces me to listen to songs that I wouldn't normally listen to. And then, oh yeah, you know, definitely when you have uh, ten tracks of uh, Bon Jovi from the 2000s onwards to listen to it's definitely <laughs> stuff that I wouldn't listen to normally yeah totally and I think actually especially on m- modern contemporary music because every year on my podcast we do a best of episode 
So right, we okay, do yeah. uh, an episode where me and my co-host Fran, we pick our top 10 songs of the year. Right. And it's quite funny because when we did it for the first time in 2020, you know, I kind of ethereally looked around, didn't really know what was happening. Now that I know it's happening, like I already have a long list. I'm already thinking right, okay. about it. I'm already pondering like which best of lists am I going to read to to try and get stuff from. Sure. Um, and we've already had a few conversations. I think for me, for example, actually, I have a lot to whittle down from. Whereas from Fran, he's like, mm, for me, so far anyway, hasn't been a very good year for music. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see what happens in the end. Mm, okay. Imagine for a lot of people who would just be trying to get the best 10 songs out of Beyonce and Harry Styles' new, new <laughs> Exactly, and Lizzo. It, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because there's definitely songs that I would want to put on that top 10 of yep. bands that we've already discussed. Um, but I don't want to, really. Even though I you know, I think they're good songs and I want to talk about them, I I want it to be kind of 10 songs of bands or artists that I haven't discussed before precisely because it's it's a pleasure yeah. to. And I know that with Fran, you know, he picks it, obviously songs that he likes, but it's also, for example, bands that might be interesting to talk about because, I don't know, they're, they're uh, you know, they're not English speaking, for example, or not as well known, or it's right. an artist that's been going for a long time that has a comeback. Those are very often the interesting songs to talk about. Yeah. Um, so the criteria of what is best of, I think, obviously differs slightly between us and differs slightly every year. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And um, podcast aside, then when you're listening to like your own music, are you trying to find new music or do you go back to old familiar? Or what, what's the... I am very often trying to find new music and I do that in a bit of a casual way. I think when I was younger, I don't know about you, but I would read things like Q Magazine and NME obsessively, all the reviews and everything. Now, when I discover new music, it's either because Tidal, I don't know if you know how Tidal works, but it, it has a very simple kind of bell notification thing where when a new song by a new artist comes out, it just tells you and you can kind of add to your play queue if you like or not if you if you don't want so that's but that's more kind of new music by bands that i already know i think for new music by artists that i don't know more and more it's been accompanying music to tiktok videos or other viral viral videos that have come along that i've shazammed because i don't know (laughs) which is which is interesting and other times it'll be because, for example, I follow a lot of music magazine accounts on Twitter and you know, a band with an interesting name or an interesting picture will come up. So, something will kind of pull me towards. So one of the um, tracks on contention, of, tracks for contention of, for my best of 2022 list, there's an artist called Clipping, no, sorry, Clip, a rapper okay. called Clip. And what drew me was I saw a tweet which said, she makes sad girl rap. And I was like, oh. I don't know what sad girl rap is, but I, I want to go and listen to it. And yeah, she's making some very interesting music, which is kind of, I don't know, Lana Del Rey sadness over a trap beat into electronica. You know, so it's it's mm. very, very interesting. But I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have read about her in a music magazine. It's just she came through in, you know, in the noise of the internet. And that's how I discovered her. So okay. it depends. But I don't always want to listen to new music all the time. I think sometimes it's a bit overwhelming. And I was talking yeah. about Tidal because I made the move from Spotify to Tidal this year, which has had, you know, some positives and some negatives. And I completely forgot that I actually have a playlist on Spotify called Music to Listen To, which for a while, just any band that sounded interesting, I shoved music onto there. And I looked right. and it had 3,800 songs. <laughs> I thought, oh God. <laughs> and I would go through it quite frequently. But often when I would, because, you know, it, it was, 
I had Spotify from 2015, sometimes songs would be saved because I didn't, you know, discovered them a different route because they've right, been okay. on there for so long and I don't always have the patience to listen to new mm. music. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Th- 3,800 songs, I'm never looking at that. That's no, like it's, my, it's too much. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like my... Um, my old email address you know like the mm-hmm. the the embarrassing one that you you set up when you're a teenager yeah, yeah um so many notifications on that like and i'm never reading those emails it's just gonna mm-hmm. sit there forever with like twenty thousand plus unread emails and yeah just shove it in the corner and hope yeah. it doesn't explode that's basically the plan this is the thing like I've, I've had so many of those kinds of lists so i don't know if you ever used groove shark for example like the illegal music streaming site from the know. from the early to mid 2000s it was really great like at one point it was kind of a better layout than spotify right. um but then it was ob- because it was illegal it was obviously it was going to be shut down mm-hmm. i mean I, I can barely even remember how it works but i kind of was like gosh i must make an excel spreadsheet where i pull together all the artists and i've had several excel spreadsheets over the years that i then of course probably forget about and then yeah. i revisit years later and then i'm like there's like hundreds of bands <laughs> I don't have the patience. The Spotify playlist was actually quite effective because, you know, using Spotify every day, when yeah. I had the patience, I would kind of, yeah, pull songs out of it, two or three bands at a time, listen to it, decide whether to save it or not. But the thing mm. is, even if you do that, listen to a band and save it, I, you know, I have over 11,000 songs on Spotify. I, get, I don't know all of them, you yeah. know? So sometimes just going through my Spotify or now Tidal playlist to go through bands that I've saved being like, oh, I've saved like five songs by this act, but I don't know who they are. So yeah. it's it's tricky. And I mean, and going back to kind of albums versus playlists, on the one hand, it's 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 nice to have the facility to listen to playlists and listen to only a few songs by acts because it's very rare that you like a band and you like all their output. But mm-hmm. I do think there's something missing from repeated album re-listings because, I mean, even albums by bands I really like so Tiger Cub are one of my favourite bands they're, they're not on this playlist but they're, they're very good and they released an album in 2021 and you know I listened to it several you know it was one of my most listened to albums in 2021 but this year I was listening to it again and found new things that I liked had new favourite songs and you, you don't really get that from playlists especially because of the nature of playlists as well if you don't like a song you skip it when when you didn't yeah. have them and you only had certain albums that you could listen to you you gave a bit more time and love to them and uh, I do think that is missing a bit as as positive as I also am about the, you know the ease of finding new music and making playlists yeah absolutely I've talked about that before on the show so I'll not um, I'll share my opinion on it again but it's basically mm. as you say like it's um, I find that for a long time and again this, that's a, a joy of doing this show where someone's giving me a bunch of songs to listen to and I have to listen to them for mm-hmm. so I know what I'm talking about with, with the show mm-hmm. Um and there's one song in particular in your list um, which we'll get to but um, yeah there's definitely some songs that like I cannot stand the first time <laughs> I listen to them or just like cannot get my head exactly. around them and then after a few lessons I'll I'll get there eventually so um, mm-hmm. but yeah I, I'm the same like I just uh, unless it's like an, an artist that I know and I know I'm going to love I don't tend to get into albums as much um, mm-hmm. which yeah I, I do i do miss in a way and, and maybe once like if i you know when i stop doing the podcast i'll maybe get back into albums but but yeah for now playlists all the way like i've made a i've made a uh a podcast around the whole concept of playlisting so exactly. i kind of have to lean into it to be honest i mean s- um, same here to be honest because yeah. <laughs> yeah it's funny because the other way that uh, the podcast works on, on my side is that we pick an artist and then 
someone makes a five or ten track playlist and you know like you like you you have to listen to them and have an opinion on them and you know maybe do your background research on you know when it was released and read a few interviews and yeah sometimes i'm very open-minded and willing to listen to a song for the third time because oh, mm. maybe it's a bit complex. Other times, uh, I'm like Fran, love you, but I'm not. I'm not going <laughs> to listen to this song more than once because I just I hate it, and that's how I feel. And you might like yeah. it, so you know you take. The, this is a good thing about having a co-host. You can take the reins and talk about it, and I can just be like, not for me. Yeah, goodbye. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, um, so look, we'll we'll get into the list then. So song one is a song you fell in love with straight away so you've gone for 212 I have featuring Lazy J who uh, are producers from Belgium just obviously I I live in Belgium so when there's a Belgium connection I have to mention it shout out so I came across this song not organically but actually from reading a best songs of 2011 list so I remember I remember exactly I, I was looking at the Guardian's best songs of 2011 because I think it was maybe a period for me where I actually had, hadn't really been listening to a lot of new music. I'd left uni three years before, and I feel like in that period, I just listened to music I discovered at uni and then anything before. Mm-hmm. And this song was number two. Lana Del Rey's Video Games was number one. I was like, oh, I've, never, I've never even heard of this act, never even heard of this song. So I went to YouTube, listened to the song with the quite striking black and white music video, and it just hit me over the head <laughs> immediately. You know, I didn't right. understand it completely because it's quite complex and it's kind of i guess three different songs put together but you know the the unashamed lyrics the fact that she's kind of rapping over a house beat um the fact that it was this kind of hip-hop song which i actually normally wouldn't expect to like and i mean i I went in knowing absolutely nothing Mm. it really surprised me how just immediately i became obsessed with it um and yeah she's a very interesting you know flawed individual but I guess it's not too much of a surprise that I liked her because she is a rapper who is very much into house music, but is also very much into indie music. You know, she's covered Peter Bjorn and John and, and Interpol and stuff like that. So, right. yeah, she is definitely, as the kids would say, a problematic fave. <laughs> 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 and also the only gig uh, I've seen at an aquarium. She played at the London Aquarium, Sea Life, I think. In, uh, an in, aquarium? And an aquarium, yeah. Because she, she had a mixtape called Aquababe, I think. So she decided okay. to do a gig in, at an aquarium in London, and right. yeah, nautical, nautical theme. I remember there being free popcorn, and it was uh, a very small gig because she wasn't. That song had been big, but yeah, it was a while, you know, until she released her, her album and things. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, t- ten out of ten would would recommend more animal themed <laughs> uh, animal themed venues that don't disturb the animals. Let's say. Yeah, sure, sure. That's a very strange one. Mm-hmm. My my memory of it because I think it was 10 yeah, it was probably 10 years ago or 9 years ago was sure. that it was in kind of a back room so you right. walked in and you walked through a bunch of tanks but then it was in a very very small room where she was on a stage where she you know it was a stage she was barely above the crowd um, yeah, yeah. people might have even stormed the stage but uh, yeah it was it was unique and she was she was an amazing presence yeah sounded a bit different anyway yeah um yeah, I know what you mean about being hit over the head with the song. I think that's basically mm. how I felt listening to it for the first time as well. Because when this song came out, I was not into hip hop at all. Um, yeah, and me, there were like me neither. Very, very few songs that really resonated with me. Um, I think this would have been one of the first. I like I I'm, I'm rubbish with uh, dates and stuff, but um, I'm sure "Watch the Throne" would have been 
another one. I don't know if it was around this time or when that was, but that was another one that I was like, I remember my brother, because I was listening to it in the car, and he was like, "What are you listening to? <laughs> this is this is like you. rap. You don't like mm-hmm. hip hop." And I was like, "Yeah, but I like this." And after a little bit of listening, he was like, "Okay, yeah, I like this too. This is good." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't know how anyone wouldn't like to want to. I think it's just it's the most energetic, fun grimy song like it's just mm, it's grimy you're right yeah yeah it's fun and dirty and yeah it's just it's yeah i have very little very little else to say about it i just i think it's a oh. it's a great song but yeah i was i was the same um wasn't into hip-hop and then this basically slapped me around the face and said you do like hip-hop yeah yeah and i think she's just not your your standard hip-hop artist either because i don't know if you've listened Mm. to her album broke with expensive taste but um you know there's a song on there that has another beat from an indie song and then it transitions into a mariachi song and she's singing in spanish (laughs) you know she has another song called heavy metal and reflective which Uh has this very kind of i guess as you said grimy bass Mm -hmm. she she's clearly a genius even though, um, as I think Depths of Wikipedia, the, the Twitter and Instagram page really recently pointed out, like her feuds section on Wikipedia is insane. And she, she said some horrible things, she, sure. even though, uh, you know, she's also been, uh, you know, not treated very well either sometimes. But no, she said some horrible things that I absolutely wouldn't defend. Um, but I do think people let certain famous rappers get away with way worse. And mm. she was a bit blacklisted because i think it was you know she was already making music before two and two there was the 1991 ep and and stuff like that and it took quite a long time for the album to come out and i think it had an impact but it should have been definitely one of those that it should have been bigger and you know she continues to put out songs sporadically and i think yeah maybe since the album that album i kind of like almost every song how but since it's a bit more mixed but every now and again she'll come out with something that just blows you away again so i kind of wish her the best and yeah wish her to make another song like 212 yeah absolutely all right so we'll file that as underrated then oh well i'm i'm waiting see fran fran doesn't like hip-hop either i'm like i need to i need to get a guest on who does so yeah maybe shane come back (laughs) and uh we'll do azalea banks and fran can just sit there and sign it'll just be that song (laughs) yeah i made you a five track playlist with (laughs) two and two times five (laughs) yeah yeah. I'd, I'd listen to that yeah. um, alright song 2 is a song that took you a while so you've gone for Oblivion by Grimes I have indeed so I was thinking about when did I first hear about Grimes and I think it was when she wrote this open letter about the sexism she faced in the music industry and I, I looked this up this was in 2013 mm-hmm. and I don't think I'd heard of her since it resonated me the, the letter that she wrote I think on Tumblr so I went and checked out her music, but I was like, oh, no, <laughs> this isn't for me. This is weird. It's, uh, I, don't I don't like her voice. Mm. But then I think I heard Kill vs. Mame on Song Exploder, her breaking yeah, yeah, it down. Yeah. And I think there are very few songs on Song Exploder that I don't end up liking anyway. Right. So I was like, oh, okay, this this is not what, you know, the, the kind of more dreamy songs that I heard and didn't really click. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kill vs. Mame I liked immediately but again I kind of had gone to check out other stuff I still didn't like it but um, what made me reconsider it was this very strange video that I sent to you <laughs> um, <laughs> there's an Irish yeah. comedian called Michael Fry and yeah. he does these kind of parody videos of uh, radio call-ins 
And it, I mean, I'm going to try and describe it to you, but it's very surreal. And I just, you know, would say to you, look, look it up. It's yep. a song where he has put on a Northern Irish accent. He's pretending also to be a priest that is calling in to talk about Derry, London, Derry. And then yep. he starts singing Lend- Le- Derry, London, Derry to the tune of Oblivion by Grimes. And then... Yep starts harmonizing with himself it's it's such a weird video because yeah when would that happen you have to know this song and i was listening to it and i was like i i, I know and have heard this song like what is this and then i checked it out oblivion by grimes and then finally i was like oh actually i do quite like this and i went out to check visions the album that comes from again listened mm-hmm. again to songs like genesis and be a body and then i liked them but it really it it took such a long time it took so many starts to get into this era of grimes at least the the Mm. visions era and you know now she's someone who every time she puts an album out i listen to it but i think she's the most inconsistent artist that i love because i get Mm. totally obsessed with some of her songs so i think 4am from um misanthropocene was my most played song in 2020 for example but i only ever listened to half that album because the other half i'm just like no uh, so that, that's that's kind of why I thought to pick Grimes because it took me a while and I still don't like everything she puts out. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. She is she is one of those artists that like has I don't like she's definitely not set herself on a particular genre or style or approach to making music. So it makes sense that when an artist has such a broad range of things that they do, that not all of it's going to resonate with you. Mm-hmm. Um just quickly going back to um michael fry because this mm. is music related mm-hmm. have you seen his other content Do you know oh yeah yeah to... i've yeah. seen his uh indie cover versions of irish memes and the that's, like that's he's exactly a... what i was going to bring up yeah 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 uh, it's he's a genius unbelievable yeah so for anyone who hasn't seen it he'll basically take like i think there's one scottish one in particular but he'll basically take um any sort of audio clip that would get the sort of auto-tune treatment that's fair to say like those kind of videos or clips or memes and he has made them into indie songs um think like two-door cinema club kind of vibe Hmm. but it's perfect like they sound like good indie songs and they're really funny in the way they tie in the 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 meme like it's anyway i sound like a very old man talking no about no it, no but, no I, i'm loving it I, i'm loving yeah. it because yeah you're he deserves i think more i mean it's not like he's you know un, unknown but i he, mm. he definitely deserves a, a wider audience i i think i must yeah. have discovered him because i have irish friends and i follow irish people on twitter sure. but he really i think exploded during lockdown i think that was when he was making the songs and they were so popular yeah, yeah. that he almost immediately released them but what's genius as well is the visuals that go with it for for those yeah. ones because he he plays all the members in this indie band and dresses up as different members of them. So like the very sullen bassist with the hood over his head or the very enthusiastic front man, he, he plays them all. So mm-hmm. hats off to him. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah. He, 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 he's a man to get if you're trying to get people into, into music they don't like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, just go, going back to Grimes then. So um, I've talk quite extensively about grimes on the show before actually with a with a guest so um it's just looking up there so it was uh aaron michelle who's um well this will be a surprise to to no one uh, an australian comic <laughs> um, yeah thank you for having me by the way i feel honored as a non-australian <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
but Erin is uh, a huge fan of Grimes, huge mm-hmm. fan, and um, talked about her in such a such passionate terms that um, I was sold instantly. The song she picked was uh, "Delete Forever," which is ah um, uh, yeah yeah from from Miss Anthropocene. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say from that. Um, don't know how to pronounce it, but from the album that you said, mm-hmm. um, twenty twenty uh, album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and what she was saying and what I find really compelling about that is similar to what you said about um, how you sort of were f- first drawn in by her open letter about sexism that she faced. Erin mm. um, was saying that the the song "Delete Forever" was basically a kind of middle finger up to the music industry in a way because she had she she you know um she's a producer by trade mm-hmm. and then when she was making music she basically had a lot of men approaching mm-hmm. her asking do you want me to produce your song or do you want this man to produce your music mm-hmm. and she basically then took that approach and t- completely turned it on his head where then she basically turned herself into like a country artist for that song and did all the work on it herself to basically say I don't need anyone I can do this myself and I can be this artist if you want me to be and I can do it better than anyone but that's not what I want to do mm-hmm. um and yeah then obviously there's there's a lot more to Grimes in terms of like the the way she thinks about music and the way she thinks about her albums and just like a, a very very bizarre headspace but oddly compelling yeah um I mean but, she yeah. she lived on a riverboat with a friend of hers you know for a summer or something like that and um you know she says some funny things and given (laughs) you know the fact that i came across her from this open letter on tumblr when she started going out with elon musk specifically Mm. when when she kind of came out as a couple she was it was they went i think to the met gala and she was wearing a choker with the tesla logo which everyone was like oh god like it's almost (laughs) like kind of him printing his ownership on her I, I was like yeah. what are you doing like of all the men and you know Elon Musk continues time and time again to uh, display how much of a an absolute twat he is I mean but I don't know if you know the story of why they met or how they met I but don't. it's basically because Elon Musk had thought about some very specific scientific mystical concept he okay. put it on Twitter to see if anyone was talking about it Grimes was talking about it. They started talking, and that's how they got together. Which I'm like, that's both a very Elon Musk and Grimes way to get together. But um, sure, she's again one of those, you know, in a different way to Azalea Banks. Even though they are they are linked, um, because yeah, I, I don't know if you know, but Azalea Banks was meant to record something with Grimes, went to uh, Grimes's house that she was sharing with Elon Musk, and then was live tweeting or live Instagram story posting on how batshit insane it was and how they were keeping a hold of her. But anyway. Grimes is someone like Azalea Banks that I I I want to listen to what she has to say about music. I want to listen to albums. I don't really want to listen to anything else. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I I would say as well. You know what you what you said about her being the producer and doing everything. I I don't know if you've seen her performance on KEXP when she did the the Vision album, mm-hmm. but I would really recommend it because I think there's no better representation of you know those kinds of people who are like, oh, synths aren't real instruments go and watch that performance and see if you feel the same because she does everything on the performance. Right. She's overdubbing everything, mixing in everything and it is extremely impressive the level mm. of detail and memory and skill that you have to have to to sing and, and put everything in as, as she does. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just quickly before we move on, I um, I can't remember who was talking about it now, but they were talking about Bjork. Mm-hmm. Um, going to see Bjork live and similar kind of thing, but they basically because a lot of um Bjork's music is like electronic and mm-hmm. like already sort of pre-made and pre-produced. What they actually did was they. They still created that music, but they did it like they were doing it on their computers and stuff. They were doing it mm-hmm. like on laptops, but they were showing what was happening on the big screen. Yep, yep. Which was really really cool. So you could you could. So yeah, because I think if you just saw someone with a laptop, it could take you out of it. You could be a little bit suspicious about like, okay, so are you just sort of pressing play and then hovering your hands around the keyboard? Because that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. but um Me too. <laughs> showing that process yeah showing that process live is insane yeah um, i saw really bjork cool. once at a festival during the volta era oh yeah and so she'd put on a female icelandic brass band so there was uh-huh. that kind of live element but she yeah. had some yeah dj slash producers where i don't know if they were from memory i don't remember if they were doing everything on a laptop but what i do remember is that they had a kind of tabletop with a screen on top of it and they'd put little blocks and then turn the blocks and you could see the shapes of the blocks and then the connections that they made with other blocks and that seemed to control the sound which was absolutely mind-blowing so yeah Bjork came to Brussels where I live and I did want to see her but it was quite expensive so but I I I would love to see her again at least once when you know I have a bit more a bit more cash (laughs) yeah fair fair enough um all right, so song three is a song from your introduction to music. So you have picked Young Person's Guide to the Orchestra by Benjamin Britten. So I firstly want to apologise, Shane, for picking a song that's over 17 minutes long. I yep. hate it when Fran does it to me. But I was thinking, you know, it is, you kind of only need to listen to it once to, to get the hang of it. And, you know, you can you can read about it. Okay, great, great. <laughs> <laughs> so, um I will be talking about my mum a lot in this episode. She passed away in 2006 and uh, was a huge, huge, huge musical influence on me. In uh, I think the, the person in my life still who had who had the closest music taste to me. So it was obviously a huge loss because it was my mum, but also culturally, I really felt like I was in the wilderness for quite a few years uh, until right. I find kind of friends friends with other music tastes and. But, but both my mum and my dad were big kind of classical music fans and they took me to operas and ballets and everything when I was very young and I now appreciate it there was maybe a moment where I was like oh the other boring thing we're going to <laughs> but uh, I picked this song by Benjamin Britten because my mum was a huge Benjamin Britten fan to the point where we went to Suffolk to go and I think see his house and see what he'd done I mean to wow. a whatever however old I was to a 10 year old in the 90s who the hell was Benjamin Britten? Why the hell did I care? But yeah. to be fair, no, she she really she really got me into it. And um, there's an opera called Peter Grimes by Benjamin Britten where I would kind of try and sing along with the the lyrics of the CD sheet in my hand, and there are soup stains on it from me just you know being like, yeah, I want to eat my soup, but I want to sing along to this opera. So yeah, she she did a good job. But sure. I picked this because it was actually written specifically to introduce children to to the orchestra that's why it's called young person's guide to the orchestra so it's from 1945 and it was commissioned for a i actually didn't know this for a a documentary film called instruments of the orchestra and i don't know if you watched it live i'm guessing you just heard it on 
No, you, I just listen to it. You, there's the headphones, but if if you if you type it into YouTube, the the top video, there's like someone has put a timestamp when all the different instruments come in, and it's quite interesting because there's a lot of responses being like, "Oh, thank you, I'm doing like a music theory class, or we're doing this in musical education," and it's right. it's really helpful. Um, so I, I just think it's it's very clever how you know he he it's, it's variations on the, on a the theme, and he brings in all the different instruments. But it's also one of those songs that, you know, it's, it's, it starts in a certain way, then goes off in a lot of different directions. But then the last two and a half minutes, he step by step brings in the instruments and it builds and builds and builds and builds. And by the end, when you have the, the whole orchestra playing the theme again from the beginning, I find it incredibly moving. Like, uh, mm. yeah, I, I think I think he's a genius. And mm. I think I picked this as well because, as I said, you know, my parents were very much into classical music. My My dad still is, but I don't listen to enough classical music. And I think... It's because I, I, I do like it. You know, I, I quite like, I would say, Piazzolla, Prokofiev, Purcell, Bartok, are some of my favorite composers, but it's like in another chamber of my brain and I have to kind of think about it and go and listen to it. And then I don't know what any of the songs I like are called. I mean, I, I played mm-hmm. violin for 14 years, 14 for, no, for 12 years. And I was in orchestras and there it was kind of just a day-to-day thing you know or in my violin lessons I was just playing classical music all the time but since then yeah. it's kind of evaporated a little bit and uh and yeah I, I picked it to yeah to see what you thought about classical music as well and and talk about yeah kind of the state of classical music right now right because it seems mm. to be ever fading as a mainstream uh sport yeah yeah I think part of that comes back to what we said about people's attention spans these yeah. days because I think it is quite a it's quite a oh, this is, I already hate how this is going to sound it's quite a complex <laughs> it's quite a complex medium yeah um, but it does take a little bit of time to like it takes time and energy to focus on it and mm-hmm. that's I mean I think it's fair enough that like you know you're not always in the mood for that I mm-hmm. I relate to what you said very very much so the um, that it exists in a sort of different part of my brain Um, it's not something that I would just sort of loop in with other like more modern yeah. or more contemporary music um oh like i've had a few you know classical pieces or um composition pieces uh on the show so far and it's actually been quite nice having a mm. little bit more of that and have a little bit more focus on it and actually having it sort of tie in with more modern music as well so um so yeah, like a, I don't know. It's 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 just one of those things that like like I know I need to go to the gym, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> I should listen to a lot more classical music, but I don't think I ever mm. will. If I'm honest, but I think it's one of those things, isn't it? Where you know I had the fortune to have parents who were into it and who were into very different yeah. styles of classical music because my dad he likes a lot more kind of baroque. I think for for my dad maybe I'm being unfair, but it, classical music is maybe something a bit more that's in the background or something that you relax, whereas for my mum, it clearly sure. wasn't. And like I said, like I know lots, plenty of classical tunes from yeah, from playing them in the orchestra, from being exposed to them. But I, yeah. I don't know, I don't know which one of Beethoven's symphonies is which. I don't know what a song is an O2. When I listen yeah. to classical music very often, I'm like, oh, the one that goes, ba-da, 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 ba-da. But I, I don't memorize it, and I, I think it's very yeah. difficult. I will say, though, I, I do always recommend this book to, to people, but the writer Seb Hunter did a book called Rock Me Amadeus, and it was precisely like a guy 
who didn't know a single thing about classical music tries to get into classical music and it, right. and it's really it's really funny really well written and he has an ambulance rating for how much he likes certain things and i i've read it twice and the second time i actually put little post-it notes to be like oh let's go and listen to it but then shane did i go and do that absolutely i didn't <laughs> so but even if you don't it's it's a very entertaining read and i think it does give you a bit more of a flavor and because you're reading it along someone who also doesn't know anything i think yeah, it's sure. a bit less daunting yeah yeah that makes sense uh-huh. all right perfect so we'll move on then song four is a song that makes you happy so you've gone for a thing for me by matrimony yeah i uh, metronomy i think metronomy metronomy um this was i I think the hardest to pick on the list i have to say which i'm like god am i am i that depressed um (laughs) but i i think it's because i i often don't really listen to music to be happy like i i want i use music to energize myself or to feel something deeper and you know but i do like pop so it was it was a bit difficult to know which direction to go in but i i went for a thing for me because i i really like early metronomy i think the album this comes from nights out is is one of my favorite albums and my favorite albums of theirs and it's just a quite charming song you know there's Mm. male falsettos there's some twee little synthesizers but it's not annoying you know we Mm. we did granddaddy on the podcast and i was a bit worried that it would be a bit too twee for me and some songs were okay but you know when it goes into that direction i start getting a bit worried but i think metronomy of the balance just right here but i I also think i love this song so much as well because of the amazing music video where it's basically the song is karaoke where the lyrics come up but there's loads of puns on the words there's loads of characters it's yeah, it's a very nice video. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know what you what you think of of metronomy in the song. Yeah, well, the video first of all, I absolutely love the video, and mm. um, anyone who listens to the show much will will know that I never watch music videos. Yep. Like, uh, it drives my wife insane. Um, <laughs> I love that she she references them all the time, mm. and I'm like, nah, I like I never watch MTV, never watch like any like music channels, so. I really don't have a frame of reference for a lot of music videos. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love this. I thought it was so much fun. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, for, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's uh, the basic concept is that it's like the the karaoke thing where the words come up and the little ball bounces between the words. It's that, but the people are representing the words and the balls bouncing on their heads um, in different scenes. Uh, it's a, it's an awful lot of fun. Um, have to go check it out. The song itself was was the song it was referencing is the one that I couldn't stand the first time I heard it. Um, <laughs> okay, and yeah. I, I I absolutely love this song now. Like the, it took me a few listens, but I'm I'm there. Uh, I'm I'm really there. Um, yeah, I think just the the first time I listened to it, it was just there's certain elements of it that I think are quite like a little bit unsettling. I think the the falsetto is ever so slightly off which makes it sound a little bit haunting um and there are a few bits that i find quite um a little bit irritating in particular the bit where they keep singing for me for me and they bring in like a marching band drum yes there's other elements to it as well um next time you listen to it um i want you to think about this image because this is what i had in my head it made me think of a one man band losing his mind in a hall of mirrors. 
just like stomping and like for me for me yeah 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 Yeah. um so yeah there's there's still sometimes when i listen to that i'm like oh just just cut that a little bit shorter but um but no i yeah i absolutely love this song. i think the music video actually turned me around to the song i was gonna ask you I, I was gonna ask yeah. you because, because that's the power of music videos i think they can yeah. you, they can take you in either direction there's nothing mm-hmm. i hate more than a music video that doesn't seem to align with the music so i'm always banging on yeah. about this on my podcast but paranoid android it is a sin the music video is a sin it is my favorite song of all time and right. the music video is this cartoon where it has no meaning and it's not very well drawn. And I'm just like, it really angers me. But then you okay. have music videos like Metronomy, uh, yeah. Metronomy's ones. And they have other good music videos as well. They have, yeah. um, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to look this up. But they, they, they have one where it's kind of filmed in a symmetrical style. Um, okay. it, like there's some very kind of clever, clever camera work. So, you know, clearly they're one of those right. bands where, you know, they think about, what the image is going to look like and i think the the music video for love letters was directed by michelle gondry if i remember correctly but sure. uh, uh but yeah the song she wants i recommend you checking out the music video for that which is that's a very different song it's very jazzy almost it's right. a very funky bass it's it's kind of i guess yeah <laughs> i was gonna say a groovy love song but that's that doesn't do it much justice but <laughs> a, a very different sound to to this but still yeah. a very impressive music video yeah yeah but i think i think the i think just how fun the music video was like that sort of put me in a slightly different mindset listen to the song i think um and yeah something just clicked for me and then i just um Mm -hmm. yeah i really really enjoyed it so um so yeah i big big fan i'm glad to hear that and yeah um highly recommend the music video i think it's i think it's excellent oh that's great yeah no i totally see what you mean by haunting and mm. I think there's something quite sinister about the synths, to be honest. It does yeah. feel, when you say Hall of Mirrors, yeah, like Haunted House, there's something of that going on, something a bit off kilter and off, but. Yeah. 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 Still good. Um, all right. Song five then is a song that makes you sad. So you've gone for Lucky Man by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. So, yeah, I have. Um, because on the one hand, this is meant to be a somewhat celebratory song um mm-hmm. if you if you don't know the song or if you haven't seen the lyrics when you when you start listening it talks about he had white horses ladies by the score all dressed in satin waiting by the door oh what a lucky man he was white lace and feathers they made up his bed etc etc so you're like okay what's what's going on here and then it turns out it's about a funeral and the lucky man uh has died because a bullet found him his blood ran as he cried no money could save him so he lay down and he died Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a song that obviously you're listening to it thinking one thing and then it totally takes you on this other emotional journey but mm. the reason why it makes me particularly sad was because <clears throat> my mum was a huge fan of Emerson, Lake and Palmer and I'd kind of forgotten about this song so I wouldn't have listened to it I don't think since she died in 2006 and then about a year ago I remembered it and I started listening to it and it just brought back these memories of my mum and then the double meaning of the lyrics on top, like I just bawled my my eyes out all all right. evening. Um, what made it better? I, I don't know how you feel about this. Maybe we can talk about this. Was uh, going on YouTube to watch reaction videos to this song. Um, okay. There was yeah this very enthusiastic American gentleman talking about it and and stuff. And yeah, that 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 made it feel a bit better. But right. yeah, I think it's a beautiful song. You know, it, it's very folky, which is not usually my style, but 
yeah, what yeah. takes it to the next level is suddenly this Moog synthesizer comes in out of nowhere um, and it just goes, you know, this very folky, calm song. And it's so jarring, but strangely the most beautiful thing about the song. So it's Mm. just, it makes me sad for so many different reasons. Um, And, you know, I listened to it again today in preparation for this. And it made me cry again. And yeah, it just, it is one of, it is just one of those songs that does that for me. And I would just say, you know, um, dealing with grief, uh, you know, especially the grief that's so, you know, terrible as a a parent's grief. I was 18 when she passed away. It was very difficult to know how to handle it. And I think you you have to be kind to yourself. You know, you have to allow yourself to cry and rage. But I, I do recommend kind of confronting things that remind you of the person as much as possible so when after my mum died kind of as quickly as possible I tried to listen to music that reminded me of her so I could kind of cry and move on because um there's another song that could have gone into this category which almost scuppered a, an exam that I had to do so four years after she passed away I was revising for an exam in a cafe and suddenly father and son by Cat Stevens which I also hadn't heard since she died came on and I was just like oh no like this is not the time to be reminded yeah, sure. of her and it's also yeah, a very meaningful song and that one about parenting as well. So, mm. so yeah, an absolutely beautiful song that Greg Lake wrote when he was 12 years old, I discovered today. Couldn't believe it, but uh, but definitely a sad wow. one. Wow. Did you know it before? I didn't, no. Oh. Um, and yeah, maybe I had a different uh, different journey with the song and it, and it may well just be based on the fact that it was in the category of song makes you sad. <laughs> you um, were ready. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I wasn't surprised. Uh, mm-hmm. It felt slightly, there was a slightly ominous feeling mm-hmm. to the song for me. Um, you know, obviously referring to the lucky man in the in the past tense. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't surprised when something bad happened to him. Mm-hmm. But um, as I said, that might well just be because you you put it in the category of mm-hmm. a song. You were, yeah, you were primed, <laughs> primed for something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but no, I think that's a really beautiful sentiment about like you know um, confronting your grief or confronting um, uh, certain triggers or, or memories. Because um, yeah, it's it's I, I talk about this a lot on the show, but it's sort of it's the emotions themselves are not unhealthy. It's what you do with those mm-hmm. emotions is what determines how healthy it is, um, and I think having a song or having a, a a thing that can put you in that mindset is actually quite a useful thing and I think that's something that I find really compelling about music in general is the I don't think there's anything else that does it in that way that like puts you so immediately back in a certain place or a certain mindset yep. or with a certain person mm-hmm. um, so it's a really beautiful thing to have and I think it is important that you take control of how you view that as well and your approach to it because I don't want to speak for you but I'm sure having a song like this that allows you to think about your mum mm-hmm. allows you to have that emotion but wouldn't necessarily like ruin your day mm-hmm. is, a, is an important and beautiful thing to have 100 percent. and as you, it, it, it's basically what you said of it gives you control because mm. if you feel like you're mentally with it enough 
to to go and listen to music or to read handwriting sometimes i think that's the other thing that sets me off if mm. every now and again i i find something uh that that she wrote you you know you're going to be sad and uh sure. you know it's okay to grow well, at least you know thankfully for me i know it's okay to cry and i know that crying is good and and kind of gets the emotion up because it's so much better to do it like that than you know the cat steven situation that that i mentioned yeah, sure. you know when when yeah. when that when it blindsides you that like, it did it, it i it was funny i kind of managed to delay my emotions but as with grief i could only do it for a while you know that happened at, i don't know 11 in the morning i studied mm. till about 7 p.m and then i was like i am i am out i just need to spend the whole evening feeling sad now and just do my best in the exam tomorrow because i, I just physically cannot do um yeah. anymore but i yeah i have a whole playlist of songs that remind me of my mom and you know she died um oh gosh i, I could do math she died 16 years ago and there are right. still songs that i'm adding to to the playlist that mm. what well, you know lucky man being being one of the most recent ones i added recently as well um uh tsunami by manic street preachers for example which you know i like i have heard that song since but i was like oh yeah no but she was definitely the one that introduced me to it and right. you know, I, i've shared the playlist with other people and then other you know they say oh yeah i definitely associate that song with your mum and, and stuff like that so yeah it's 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 great um and again it, it's a playlist that i usually listen to on on her kind of death day and other times when i'm thinking of her and when i know that it's okay for me to to be sad because it, you know that's it, it of course there's sadness but I, there's the quote that I can't remember now. Maybe you know, but the whole you know, grief is, grief is love. You know, I still feel mm. her very much. You know, it's it's such a cliche, but it's like yeah, I think about her every day. Like I feel like she's she's close to me. So to have had such a close relationship, to have shared this kind of cultural enjoyment, and to be able to revisit. And you know, I'm looking at this playlist. There's like 83 songs on here mm. uh, that I can listen to and think about her. Yeah, it's, isn't that, isn't that great that I had that kind of relationship with her? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll move on. Then. Song six is a song to relax to. So your song is Breadwinner. Breadwinner by Bia1991, I think. <laughs> it's how you pronounce. Uh, That's why I hesitate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think her real name is Beatrice uh, Van Riker. Um, okay. So I have no idea how I came across her, but I have songs sure. saved on Spotify from 2015. Yeah. And yeah, I very rarely listen to music that's relaxing. You know, I, as I said to you, mm. I, I think normally I use music as something to kind of, you know, get me and get me in a more energetic mind space or to, to feel something. Although I do have quite a long chilled playlist because normally when I do want to listen to chilled things, it's in the evening. If I'm not listening to a podcast or watching a TV show, whatever, I'll put on my chilled playlist and I picked Bia 1991 because she is kind of the chilled artist I go to. Um, right. So she's she's from the Netherlands. I was trying to figure out how to kind of summarize her because, you know, electronic music is a bit reductive. But I, thankfully, The Guardian was there to tell me she is chamber folk and yacht rock melded with R&B. So that, make of that what you will. But let's say like off kil off kilter electronic music is is what yeah, i sure. what i would say and yeah she's really good friends with dev hines from blood orange and featured on the song evp uh, of his with debbie harry you know so she she's you know has this kind of high, prof high profile connections but she remains quite underrated you know she right 
most of her output has been singles. She released one album called Brand New Adult in, I think, 2019. Um, but I really think she's making very original music and, and, and deserves to be bigger. So, you know, I, I, she is my go-to relaxing artist and, and that's why I picked her, but also because I wanted a bit of an excuse to, to talk about it. And mm. I think this was the first song of hers, Breadwinner, that, that I got into. I could have picked many others, but I, I just quite like the title. And I, I'm always very impressed when non-native English speakers pick up on a phrase that's, you know, not, not your average phrase. And I don't really know what the song's sure. about, but... It ends with her saying, I am no breadwinner. I have no hands leading me somewhere. Confront my daily lie. It's grown from frail to delirium. So it's just, it's painting some kind of picture of, I don't know, wistfulness <laughs> or, you know, not participating, painting in the daily grind. I, I don't know, but I, I, I really love it. And, and yeah, I like almost all of her songs and they, they really put me in a, in a relaxing but contemplative mood. Yeah, sure. I, I, I'm always drawn when I when, it, when I'm looking at relaxing songs. I'm always drawn to songs that will just allow my mind to drift. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite meditative, mm-hmm. and I think this definitely ticks that box for me. Um, and actually, like weirdly, find it quite difficult to focus on the songs sometimes because yeah. my mind did wander so so easily. Yeah. So it was quite a strange thing, like having to focus on listening to. Such song. a such a calm song, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I mean, we talked about attention span. I actually got diagnosed with ADHD in early 2021, so it's like you know, right. lit- literally, I have I have a worse than average attention span. But the other thing sure. with ADHD is the flip side of it is that there's something also called hyperfocus. So when you're really into okay, something, yeah, yeah. you can focus on that to the detriment of everything else, which is why I can yeah. get quite obsessive about music. So that's mm-hmm. why I, I find it I find it very difficult. To, to be put into any kind of meditative state I'm sure I would benefit from yoga the most I can yeah. do is Pilates um, and I probably should try meditation but my 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 brain's natural state is on and I'm just constantly right. thinking about a million things running through my brain all the time and when, you know when I put Bia 1991 on or any of the other songs on my chill playlist it is very rare that I put it on and I just kind of sit there arms closed thinking about the world like I am usually doing something else I remember in lockdown I did a lot of jigsaw puzzles uh in the evening right. after work just to not be in front of a screen actually and mm. I yeah that bit I listened to a lot of Be a 1990 on while you know doing a jigsaw of some cats but um mm. but yeah it's it's interesting what music is because yeah I'll come to my my dad's musical taste later but he's just like, right. you know, music doesn't have to be loud and exhausting. That's not what music is for him <laughs> at all. Whereas that for me, it yeah. is very much that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> loud and exhausting leads us nicely onto song seven, <laughs> song from your preteen years. So you've gone for a slam dunk, da funk, but five. Of course I have, yeah. So, um so five, I think, were the first pop act that I remember becoming obsessed with as a preteen. Right. And I think it's because they were rough and ready bad boys. You know, it really mm. appealed to me. Um, I'm not one to go for bad boys in, in my real life, to be honest. I, right. I, uh, yeah, uh, arrogant alpha males don't interest me, but I think maybe as a nine-year-old they did. Um, they, just, <laughs> they just seemed real, you know? They seemed like boys, boys who you'd meet in your local town but also clearly they they had talent and the tunes were were excellent so this was their their yeah. first single i think and for me probably still the the favorite song and i think they have a really solid back catalog of songs their album invincible 
honestly the whole album is good you know even the 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 non-singles and I, I was trying to think of why you know when when uh thinking about it for the show you know possibly because they had rapping and singing which you know who, mm. who who was doing that at the time like even american acts weren't doing it i mean clearly they were trying to americanize for a certain kind of audience like they talk about so many american things in their songs like i remember in everyone get down there was a lyric that i never understood i finally looked it up today they said jimmy fly snooker stone cold ham and it's about two different wrestlers and i was like i, I did not understand that at the time and obviously there was no internet at the time um sure. but yeah i think the bass on this song is funky as hell there's a cowboy thing going on. They've got attitude. They're bringing the party. I want to go and play basketball with Fife. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you Shane? <laughs> uh, my, I mean, my knees are in tatters at the moment. So, um, <laughs> Sorry, lads. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll watch. Um, mm. Yeah. It's funny, actually, like, usually, I would say nine times out of ten, usually the song from the preteen years is a bit embarrassing mm-hmm. like it's it's typically something that like it's it's usually the the category where like it'll sort of poke a little bit of fun at, at a song maybe or we'll sort of you know look at a choice through that that kind of lens um can't do it this is a, this is a great song i'm this delighted a, to hear that shane <laughs> it's a fantastic song like um yeah i mean maybe looking back at you know five white men uh little bit gringy perhaps but the song yeah. itself is immense like, actually it's... is sean white i don't know i don't know if you want to cut sure. that out yeah I'm not <laughs> sure, maybe. we can say five british men <laughs> rapping in a clear american accent you know that is yeah, uh yeah 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 I, I think i think there's definite there's definite appropriation of some kind anyway <laughs> okay fair enough yeah 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 but um yeah yeah I, it's just it's just a brilliant song it's it's so much fun and I, again it's it's a it's probably a, a band or an artist that i um just it didn't give much time to um you know when i was forming my taste in music it would mm-hmm. have been very much something i would have looked down on mm-hmm. um and yeah there's been some five songs that sort of are so ubiquitous that i just you know i'm aware of them mm-hmm. um hadn't really properly listened to this song before and it's great i yeah i had an awful lot of fun listening to it and (laughs) would unironically listen to it in in a playlist going forward i think it was i think it's brilliant we uh we did two episodes on my podcast on boy bands versus girl bands so basically what we did was um two episodes where we picked 10 you know five girl bands and five boy bands that we liked five that we didn't times two and right. obviously i picked a five song and fran was like you talked about them for so long i had to cut out most of it like just i'm <laughs> i'm so keen on on five like i even know so there are loads of five songs where i know all the lyrics or I, you know i know most of the lyrics let's say not you know sure. if you test me probably i, I will get 95 percent with this song yeah. i even know what the commentator is saying you know before the song comes in <laughs> oh if you tuned in welcome to tonight's game still <laughs> slam dunking the whole night and i still yeah i will sing along to it um because yeah and that's it i think i i was the right age because yeah i, I was a girl and uh and i was yeah probably is this 98 so yeah 10 10 years old 11 years old when this came out right absolutely absolutely perfect probably like you know the the awakening of puberty and maybe noticing boys a bit more they were the right boys to 
to come along. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, then. Song eight is a cover. So you've gone for Let It Happen by Meg Mack. Indeed, I have, despite it not being on Spotify. Um, and yeah. I think the, the top comment on YouTube is, I am personally infuriated that this isn't on Spotify. Physically violent. Physically violent. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, I, I forgot to write it down. Physically violent. I feel very much the same. Um, yeah. So I'm not a particular fan of Tame Impala, who did the original. I do like sure. Tame Impala's version of, of Let It Happen. It feels like quite an epic journey of a song. But this is also a journey of a song and an absolute masterclass in making a song your own. So mm -hmm. what Meg Mac has done is she's actually taken the end of the song and made it the chorus. Mm -hmm. And she's taken mm -hmm. a song where you can barely understand what Kevin Parker is saying. I never paid attention to what he was saying because I'm, I'm someone who I don't automatically look at lyrics. Mm -hmm. And it's just absolutely stunning. It is her harmonizing with, I think, her sister, Mm -hmm. musically they have slowed it down they've made it very lo-fi there's only minimal kind of drums guitar bass keyboards and you have no idea what direction the song is going to go in precisely because she's taken the ending but then takes the verses and then brings it back so it, it hasn't got the same linear approach to a song that is not particularly linear either it has an instrumental outro that goes for for ages and her voice is absolutely beautiful and mm -hmm. because the song is not on Spotify. It's one of those songs that um, if I want to put it on, normally it'll be when I'm out and about and I'll, you know, I'll put it on YouTube and, and have to remember to keep it on and keep my phone in my pocket. So I actually hadn't yeah. seen the video uh, in a while, but watching it, you just see her emotion, especially as it goes towards the end. I think it's, yeah, it, it, it surpasses the original and is one of my all-time favorites. Mm. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, this is an absolutely Thanks. wonderful cover. Um, for all, all the reasons you said, like I, I obviously talk a lot about covers on the show and mm -hmm. um, there's there's a lot of things that I don't like about covers and it's quite a risky category for me to pick for my show because I am mm. quite particular about covers that I actually enjoy. I think you should um, be though, yeah. Yeah, but th thankfully you know most people who come on the show are sort of of a, of a similar mindset so we've had some good choices but um but yeah no i th I think this is absolutely amazing the way they've done it and yeah taking the sort of the the end of the song the sort of the I don't know what you call that like a bridge yeah um and then yeah turn that into the the start of the song i think i might might be wrong but i think they've sort of they're performing that particular part like half a beat off as well which lends itself to their music a little bit more mm -hmm. um and yeah just everything about it is is amazing um one thing i found interesting uh when you mentioned the the lyrics um i don't know if you looked this up but you know that that refrain that like um i what are the words they're singing at the start? I like, will not um, vanish. You will not scare me. Try to get through yeah. it. Try to push through it. Yeah. yeah. Something like that, yeah. Uh, so, um, I can't remember the, the lead singer of Tim and Polly who wrote the song, but he said that that lyrical content that he wrote was essentially gibberish. Because um, oh. he basically, when they were recording the song, he made that up to get a sort of rhythm going. Mm -hmm. for that part of the song mm -hmm. and he was like i'll make this up i'll get the the sort of the melody of what i want to get across down 
and then I'll write the lyrics that sort of fit that to match the song and then he couldn't write lyrics that fit the song well enough and that, that that's that's how I ended up with with those lyrics that's so, so interesting yeah so it's it's very it's it's almost like very swedish producer approach yeah, to that's exactly to that's exactly yeah i was thinking max <laughs> martin as well or is it weezer yeah. who have the spreadsheet of uh of sounds or words to rhyme oh, i didn't know that uh um, i i haven't heard this but again song exploder right. weezer apparently he talks about that and but i i didn't i haven't heard that episode but i heard the host talking about that episode somewhere else okay that is right, so interesting you. i didn't know that because yeah. you know so obviously the song is about I guess kind of letting go, letting letting things happen naturally, not overthinking it. Yeah, yeah. And for me, the ending I felt was more about how other people can make you feel down, mm. right? I feel like the lyrics elsewhere are just more general, of like, oh, you know, my mother says just let it happen. Whereas here, it's yeah. you know, it's like try to get through it, try to push through it. You will not feel me. So I thought, oh, maybe that's why, you know, because it's actually you know, it's it's by putting that front and center you're yeah. you're giving a slightly different meaning to the song as well as you know it being musically different and yeah melodically different but yeah interesting yeah. Yeah. you know kevin it but... might have been uh it might have been gibberish but it works 100 <laughs> percent. i mean i i would imagine if you're if you're in the studio and you're in that song as much like even if you do just sing whatever's in your head it's going to be relevant to the song mm-hmm. um I think there are parts of it where it gets on to um, take the next ticket to take the next train. Mm-hmm. Why would I do that? Why would I do it? And you want to think that? Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, that that's that. It's, it's those parts where I'm like, okay, well, I know what you mean now, but it being yeah. gibberish, like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't yeah. actually really mean anything. But I I I felt a connection with the. I will not vanish, you will not scare me. Yeah. I thought that was quite a nice lyric, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes yeah. these things are unconscious, right? You know, we talked about grief. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if you know the grief cast with Cariad Lloyd, where... Um, no. So, grief cast... Um, I'd love to go on it, but it would be a bit strange me being like, hi, I've had loads of family members die. Can I come on your podcast to talk about it? Um, sure. But, so, Cariad Lloyd is a comedian, uh, a British comedian, and her dad died when she was 15, and her grief cast podcast is basically she invites at the beginning kind of mostly comedians to talk about someone who's died and Mm -hmm. it's a fantastic podcast because firstly because very often it's comedians there's humor in it because of course there's humor in death and funerals and everything else related to it um but i was thinking about her when you said about conscious unconscious because she said that when she started out in comedy she would keep writing characters for herself or being in situations where like the character had a dead dad and she didn't she didn't even realize that she was doing it (laughs) so i I think it was only later when she was like oh yeah god (laughs) i created a lot of characters that had a dead dad so you know i think sometimes when you're writing lyrics surely that happens you know what he's saying is a bit linked to to the other lyrics of let it happen and yeah just you know let let the live your life and and don't let things bother you so sure you know maybe yeah. it's a bit of that yeah absolutely so we'll move on then song nine is a song that you would sing at karaoke so your song is you ought to know by alanis morissette so i love karaoke i could have picked 
a million songs. I have lots of okay. regular songs that I sing with friends, like All That She Wants by Ace of Bass, What's Up by Four Non Blondes, Smells Like Teen Spirit, Barbie Girl, etc., etc. But I picked this particular song because I had a relationship end this year and it was extremely cathartic to go to karaoke with my friends Ooh. and absolutely scream this out. <laughs> You know, it's not like what happened to me is is what happened to Alanis Morissette, but it is a fantastic yeah. heartbreak song. And I guess because because all the other ones are kind of ones that I sing with friends, it's like no, this this one is uh, this one is for me. I'm I'm doing this for myself. So it doesn't yeah, matter sure. if you can't hit the notes. I know that she she recorded it in one take, but uh, but yeah, it's it's a really good song for letting your feelings out at karaoke if uh, if you've been a bit hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, yeah. I mean, I I really like that. Like my my song that I play for karaoke is um, Three Doors Down, um, Kryptonite, and the catharsis was the reason I picked that as well. Mm. Because n- not not for the the song for any 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 reason other than the fact that it's really fun to sing in a screamy Southern American <laughs> drawl, right? Okay. Um, and. I sang it with my friend and we had a great time and that's that's why I picked it. Um so yeah, I I, I can relate on some level to the catharsis. Mm. Um but yeah, it's funny because I think I I'm fascinated by this category now because we've so many different strategies and reasons that people pick particular songs and you know, songs are in your range or they've got like a rappy element to it. Um so yeah, this is this is a first. Um having the the sort of the I'm just gonna let my feelings out in, yeah. a, in a microphone. Yeah, it was, um, it was you know it was not long after the the relationship ended, and we did also sing with my my friend Riku in the end by Linkin Park and Chop Suey right. by System of a Down, where that is just a really fun yeah. one to just scream sing. Um, right, a lot of that. I mean, there was also Love Shack by B fifty two, so you know there was there was some variety, but um, okay, that's good. But yeah, good. yeah, I think I think I went for Cause, that because otherwise I think. Yeah other people in the bar might be a bit worried about oh you. no it's it's one of those it, it was in a karaoke place where you have the booth you know so it was just oh yeah, friends. cool All yeah right, yeah great. oh gosh yeah no that, that would have been very different if it was me <laughs> in front of 50 people like crying like did she go down on you in a theater no yeah no that would have been that would have been very different um right okay okay gotcha gotcha um yeah there's it's it's a it's a very fun song for that i would imagine um because yeah there's a lot of just anger and vitriol in her in in the lyrics but also her her voice as well indeed but it starts off very calmly yeah and so you and so you know you know it's coming you know you have to pace yourself but also you have to sing the but the love that you made which so there you're kind of concentrating like bloody hell what are the words and then finally you can let it all out in the chorus so yeah 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 Yeah. excellent excellent Mm -hmm song 10 is a song that reminds you of a specific place shall so... i shall i pronounce it <laughs> for you number 10 because uh, it's maybe por- it's the portuguese one <laughs> madreduce madredeus that's what i was gonna oh, okay madredeus. Madredeus. So okay. close close oh pastor yeah oh pastor yeah in in portuguese s's oh, v- very often yeah just just letting you and the listeners know <laughs> s's very often are again i didn't study grammar enough s's have a sh sound when they place at the end or after a consonant. So there we go. So yes, Upashtur by Madre okay. Deus, which means the shepherd. Um, and right. I guess Madre Deus is kind of Latin for mother of God. But yeah, I'm originally from Portugal. I But I grew up in England and I culturally feel 
more British than anything, you know, even now that I've, I've lived in Brussels for nine years. Right. And both my parents were Anglophiles and already pretty much spoke English fluently before we moved to England. My mum even worked for the British Council when we lived in Portugal. So, you know, it's not like I grew up in a house where Portuguese culture was, was you know, let's say foisted on me, you know, to yeah, sure. you know, comparatively to, to the British culture around me. So I have huge gaps, absolutely huge gaps in, in Portuguese cultural knowledge, historical knowledge. And that includes music and the traditional music of Portugal, Fado. I don't know if you know it, but it's very depressing. And I'm still not quite on board. I'm sure that there's, I'm sure that there's Fado out there for me, but it's a bit too like, and I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have much time for it. But, uh, sure. but this band, Badu Deus, so they, they kind of blend Fado, but also Portuguese folk music and, and other, other music. And it's probably my favorite Portuguese song of all time uh it's very dramatic there's mm. you know a constant accordion playing that is quite unsettling you feel like i don't know it's it's making you run or the way it makes you feel is like it's chasing me somewhere foreboding. yeah there we go yeah for, very foreboding is it going to hem me in somewhere so you've got you've got accordion yeah, yeah. you've got some some strings some uh some guitars some portuguese guitars as well i think um yeah. but i i think the the dramatic strings and accordion coupled with the singer Teresa Salgado's beautiful voice is it's just it's stunning it's it's an absolutely mm-hmm. stunning song for me yeah. and you know Madrid most English speakers haven't heard of them they had some success outside of of Portugal and actually mm-hmm. I could have picked this for the karaoke song because quite surprisingly the first time I went to Belgium to do karaoke it wasn't an open bar. And I started uh-huh. talking to some Belgians and they were like, oh, you're Portuguese. Ah, Madadish. Shall we sing some Madadish? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, number one, <laughs> you know this. Number two, you want me to sing this in a bar where no one will know the song. How's this going to work? But it was a system where um, the, the, karaoke, the karaoke master, whatever his name was. So he had like a karaoke system, but he would also flip to YouTube if the song that was requested wasn't in there. And sure enough, right. who would have thought? There is a karaoke version of the song. So me and two Belgians who I just wow. met sang the song to a stun bar, <laughs> being like, "What?" Because <laughs> it's 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 a dramatic song in a language that people didn't speak. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I always love to hear kind of non-Portuguese speakers' opinion on it because I wonder how how much of my enjoyment is because it is a traditional, you know, a, well, a modern classic that yeah. reminds me of Portugal. And you know, if you t- ask me what it's about, you know, I I went to look at the lyrics again. It's I would say it's about nothing in particular. It's it's very symbolic uh, lyrics of you know there's a boat there's a boat burning in my fantasy. My dream has ended. My soul is on guard. I don't know what it's about. Right. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Um. Yeah. I again I've talked about this before on the show, but I I more and more I find myself very drawn to and compelled by folk music that is like local to other european countries basically um and very similar to what we said about classical music like i know i i I know i like it i know i want to listen to more of it i never do Mm -hmm. but i'm always grateful when someone puts something like this on on a playlist or like I, i get a chance to listen to something like this um and I think I, I don't know if it's just like a Western perspective or, um, not a Western perspective, but like a like a UK Ireland perspective. 
mm-hmm. but um english speaking perspective that's probably a better way of putting it but um it feels to me like if you look at like eurovision for example i think a lot of people are being a lot more brave and being a lot maybe truer to their culture and their heritage because i think eurovision for a long time felt like there was an awful lot of bands and artists performing in english like for the sake well, of eurovision it was actually the opposite it was the um I, again check out our eurovision episodes guys <laughs> um <laughs> in the part for so for a long time because obviously eurovision's been going to the 60s you you kind of had to sing in your native tongue and only then okay. only i think oh i, I can't remember this because we recorded a while ago but it was something like only in the 90s did people start right. or in the 2000s well that makes sense because that's when i yeah that's where i would have started exactly so on the podcast we interviewed my dad who's a big eurovision fan who has watched it since Uh 67 i think and he said that the joy of eurovision when he was younger was like wow all these countries all these languages that you don't hear on the day-to-day but uh but yeah no i'll I'll let you finish but um yeah i just i just wanted to say yes that absolutely is the case now but it was it wasn't always the case right okay well that makes sense so yeah like when i when i was watching eurovision for starters it was a lot more English speaking, a lot more sort of anglicized. Um, and then I feel like the more more now when I'm watching it, people are, are playing maybe more folk music and stuff that like ties in bits from their from their heritage. And I find that really, really compelling. Um, so, yeah, I I, 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 I was fascinated by this song. Um, I don't. I don't know how, again, it's sort of maybe in a slightly different part of my brain. I don't know if it's something I would go back to necessarily mm. because I don't know what sort of mood I would be in to listen to it. When, when is but, one in a dramatic accordion mood? Not, it's not every day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but um, but no, I thought it, I thought it was absolutely captivating. I thought it was a like oh, great, like a like a ridiculously beautiful song. Like the the vocal performance is insane, mm-hmm. um, and layered on top of that sort of like. Um, that, that sort of almost like oscillating guitar rhythm i don't know what that is but but um but yeah it just like it just it all just ties together really beautifully um so yeah like i was i was really i was really fascinated by the song like i i really really enjoy listening to it oh, i'm so glad because i think of all the songs obviously this is the one i would be hopeful that that you liked but but knowing you know that that you know it, it is sometimes geographically dependent yeah, I, mm. I'm I'm totally with you. Quite often, my favourite Eurovision songs are the folkier ones. I think a lot yeah. of Eastern European countries very often will will put in elements. Or last year, the French one that had this uh, Breton, was it Breton? A region of France. You know, the, the, it wasn't in French. It was in a, a regional language and had these very right, kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah. tribal drums. That's usually uh-huh. <clears throat> very much up my street. And yeah, I think sometimes it works and sometimes they go for the one that sounds the most like the pop of now. But uh, yeah, you know, when Portugal won in... Uh, yeah. Oh gosh, I'm letting the side down. 2015? No, 20... Oh, okay. When Portugal won, the only time that Portugal has won in the, <laughs> in, in the mid-2000s, it was right. the first time they'd ever won. They were singing in Portuguese and it was basically a ballad. It, it, it was like everything that shouldn't work for Eurovision... And yet yeah. it resonated with so many people. And it was so funny because, you know, I, I I resisted Eurovision for a bit, despite my dad being a big fan. And then I've very much come on board the Eurovision train in the last, I would say, 10, 15 years. Um, but I remember talking to people before 
uh, before his performance in Eurovision about Eurovision. And I remember him being uh, like, yeah, you know, Barbara, people in Portugal, they're just not really into it. Well, that changed when, when he won and it was in Lisbon. And I went to Lisbon to watch Eurovision then and it was just amazing to, to see that my dad especially was, you know, so keen because as a Portuguese fan of Eurovision, he just watched it since 67, finally, for, for, yeah. for them to win it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was very moving. And, and, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to a city uh, that's hosted Eurovision or if you've ever been to Eurovision. Um, I, no. I've done it twice. I recommend it even if you don't go and watch it because you're in a city and you just see this very enthusiastic international musical crowd. It's, it's, yeah. It was really nice to see. Yeah. Um, I would love to. I mean, it's, it's not it, It's in Liverpool, right? Yeah. So, it's in yeah. Liverpool, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I saw, like, I, th- I think there are some people already, I'm hearing stories about, like, the accommodation. Mm. I think you're looking at, like, four grand a night. Um for to, to stay there which is which is insane and i know like one, one person in a discord i mean was, was telling me that um a friend of theirs had booked the accommodation in anticipation that it might be liverpool and got it for like really reasonable and then all of a sudden when it was announced it was liverpool that booking was cancelled and then it was made available to them again for 10 times the price yeah i also saw stories of this on twitter yeah, uh so, yeah so yeah maybe maybe next time maybe yeah. when it's uh, a little bit more reasonable I'll mm-hmm. make a break of it uh the dream is for this show, show to become so big and popular that they ask me to come <laughs> that, would be, that would be the and ideal, why not right? but i can tell you there's, there's a lot of eurovision podcasts out there um as well well but, uh, dream big yeah yeah of course always dream big especially when it comes to eurovision <laughs> All right, song 11 is a song that reminds you of a specific person. So you've gone for uh, Record Collection by Mark Ronson and the Business International. I have, because I have mentioned my mum loads. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this is a song that reminds me of, of my dad. And with my dad, music has been actually a source of tension <laughs> between us. Okay. Because my mum and I had such a similar music taste when we would be in the car or when we'd be listening to music at home we'd constantly be fighting about it because my dad doesn't really like heavy rock music like my dad's standard insult you know when talking about music it's like oh system of it's like system of a doubt you know like you know like shouty shouty rock music um sure and after my mum passed away when i would be in the car with him and i try and put on a band that we played a lot like radiohead he'd be like no <laughs> I've had a lifetime of this. No. So it was very tense because obviously it was something that, you know, I would also associate with him. Um, right. And so, yeah, there's a bit of, you know, there was snobbery from my side when I was younger and an indie snob being like, oh, you're just into pop music. That's so lame. Uh, but, you know, even as I've matured and had more of an open mind and absolutely embraced the fact that I like pop, um, mm. I do feel like my dad's taste is, yeah, very very melodic kind of his favorite band is ABBA he's really into Eurovision and I think yeah for him music is let's say a more pure and entertainment thing than than for me even though I will say he has he has introduced me to some music but this song um I introduced to him I don't know how or why but he liked it immediately and it's now a song that you know anytime we're together I can put it on and we both sing along to it almost almost word perfect so so yeah it, it's it's a really nice song to to have and and to have this connection yeah. with my dad but i i think it's i think it's quite an underrated song you know mark ronson's more famous songs obviously it's uptown funk or maybe when he did version and it was you know lily allen doing oh my god and uh yeah. stop me 
this album i think went a bit under the radar but it's got some cracking songs on it like a bike song as well is 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 one of my favorites but uh, Mm. the lyrics to this are absolutely hilarious and he delivers it in a very very deadpan way and there's also Mm. simon le bon doing the chorus and wiley doing a rap bit so i think it's just a perfect meld of it sounds like pop from the era but you're bringing in a legend and you're bringing in someone new in all these different moments yeah. and, and for me it works and and it's yeah it's very funny hmm. i wonder what that is about like do you think uh when you say about like sort of uh coming around to your dad's taste in music was mm. that as your your taste broadened or was that sort of like a like a like a teenage attitude lessening or yeah I, to be honest i think it was also a little bit you know my mum pitting me against my dad to be honest because we there were there was overlap so kind of 80s music uh 80s music we 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 enjoyed and let's say yes you know when when i was a kid i was obsessed with pop and the top 40 and you know i used to listen to radio one on a sunday and very often no kind of chart positions to to kind of that level and then i became an annoying pretentious teenager who was like oh yeah Yeah. muse and radiohead are the only good bands actually and it just so happened that my mum really liked them too and with you know with right. some of them she would she would have been the one to introduce me to them so then you sure. know she was the person who you already keenly want to talk to music about and want to listen to music and bless my dad who absolutely doesn't want to hear emerson lake and palmer or early genesis or you know uh you know radiohead that isn't say karma police or something a bit more accessible sure. so you know so we still the, the dynamic is still there of like you know me being a bit like oh you know you only like a very narrow kind of music and him being like you're you know you like music that that has shouting in it and that's very crude (laughs) basically or like that's very basic um but uh but yeah i think you know i now that you know the grief of my mum has passed a bit and my music taste has broadened i am a bit more respectful towards him and absolutely he he was the one who introduced me to stromai who is like belgian's Belgium's biggest artist because he heard it on the right. radio and, and he, he keeps saying like don't, don't you forget don't you forget and he also used to say to me all the time that you know Kurt Cobain who you like so much he really admired Abba you know he really admired their songwriting so fair play dad fine <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean I've, I've Abba was my mum's music but I've massively come around to Abba I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about Abba a lot recently but yeah mm-hmm. massively come around to them recently um you can't help but it yeah. in this world i feel <laughs> no yeah they're too good um but yeah like i i, I love what you said about the um the introducing them to it because I, I i just i think there's something really really special about that again like just like you know the the the, the very basic uh very basic thing to say but that's the the beauty of music like introducing someone to a song knowing that they're going to enjoy it mm-hmm. or hoping that they're going to enjoy it and then they do enjoy it like almost, very hard to almost no better feeling on earth yeah <laughs> yeah yeah very hard to be yeah um so yeah that's really special um okay song 12 then is a the song that motivates you so you've gone for back to the fuck yeah by pulled apart by horses so this was the second hardest song to pick because like I said I very often do listen to music to motivate me and get me in the mood so I picked this because um, I got into this band by seeing them live they supported Blood Red Shoes in in 2010 
They were the best yeah. support acts I've ever seen. Remains right. remains that way. And in part because they were so energetic. Like, it, it was yeah. a sports slot in a small venue. The lead singer was jumping around all over the place. Like, really drew you into to their music and their universe. And, you know, it was a venue that was quite small in Luxembourg. And I actually met both Pulled Apart by Horses and Blood Red Shoes afterwards. And it was just wonderful to, to talk to them. And, and yeah... It, that that feeling carried on into the conversations that we had that we had with them right and very often when i need to get motivated i guess there's there's a broad catalog to choose from but actually this is a song or this is an album actually that i would go to and this is the opening song from the album i picked it because i think it motivates me because of the way it's constructed so it's it starts loud you know it is it is not a song i will ever play to my dad it it starts loud (laughs) And there's some kind of, I don't know if it's syncopated drums, but, you know, drums and guitars and a man with a very kind of loud, growly voice comes in and then it breaks down. And then the chorus, it's these very loud, but I guess almost melodic guitars. And then just a man screaming, (laughs) going, yeah, yeah. But somehow it's beautiful and it works. I don't really understand. So maybe because it's called Back to the Fuck Here, it just gets me in that mood of like, right. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to to this guy screaming now. Uh, it's gonna make me feel better and um, and yeah, because even the way it, it, it's not always the same. The second time the chorus comes in, there's then a kind of breakdown where the the music the, the guitars come in and out, and there's this kind of this pause and this silence and this oh, and then it comes back in and it comes back in. So I think yeah. it does motivate me because it's it, you know it's not a one note. It's not you know gabba or some kind of hardcore. You know always always bouncing around uh it it, yeah. it is loud but it's still constructed in a way where you have you know uh, high high bits and 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 peaks uh, pe- peaks and troughs let's say yeah yeah absolutely um yeah it's funny you said about uh, it's funny you said that about the uh the way you got into the ministry mm-hmm. because i'm almost the reverse oh really the barbar horses interesting yeah. um so I saw Pulled Apart by Horses as a support act um, for Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to Sweden to oh, see wow. Foo Fighters because they were doing a um, they were doing an arena tour, and we, we I think we tried to get tickets to the the Wembley date and we couldn't, um, or we were sort of like pricing it up, and it was actually cheaper to fly to Stockholm than it would have been to London and get uh, accommodation there and just thought we'd make like a, a trip of it but um, it was Foo Fighters uh, Biffy Clyro mm-hmm. and the, and Pull Apart by Horses they were the, the first support act um, and uh, we sort of talked about it on, on your show but um, European crowds are not the most energetic um, mm-hmm. and from speaking to some people I, I don't this isn't xenophobic um, <laughs> Swedish crowds in particular mm-hmm. are very polite and almost like standoffish mm-hmm. in the way they they um uh engage with with a band. Mm-hmm. So uh it was an arena, so we were quite oh, far yeah. back. It was early, so there weren't a huge number of people and the people that were there were not fully engaged. So uh yeah, it was a strange experience watching mm. this band who were obviously very high energy very screamy getting like so little back from the crowd and i think that sort of fed into the performance slightly so i didn't connect with them 
and I think part of, part of the reason as well is that like I'm a huge Biffy Clyro fan, huge Foo Fighters fan. So though like those two bands, mm-hmm. that was my main takeaway from mm-hmm. that from that concert. Um, so yeah, it's it's very funny that you saw them in a small venue and they like like they were so energetic and fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like and you know again the, the the beauty of doing this show listen to this song i was like god i really really missed out on this band because as i say like i love this type of music like i was really into biffy clyro um so there's absolutely no reason why i wouldn't have enjoyed pulled apart by, pulled apart by horses there may be a little bit more on the screamy side but mm-hmm. like, it's such a fun song it was they're, like they're so it was, good yeah like I, an absolute joy it is also at the limit of screaming for me, um, I, I, right. you know, unlike my dad thinks, I don't just listen to to System of the Down and the Like, and even System of a Down has, has quiet bits. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, Luxembourgish crowds, I think they might have changed in recent years, but they're also quite demure, let's say. Mm. But because it was in sure. a small venue where it's one of those venues where there's basically like barely a barrier between you and the stage. Like, I, I, mm. I felt like he was almost crowd surfing. You know, it was almost like, I don't know, like Jack Black in <laughs> School of Rock, where it's like, Whoo! he just, yeah, right. they, they did... They did a really excellent job with a crowd that you know normally wouldn't um, wouldn't be up for that. I mean, they were supporting Blood Red Shoes. I wonder if that makes a difference because this would have been near twenty ten, their second album. They weren't huge yet, so maybe it was a right. crowd that yes, some of them would have liked Blood Red Shoes, but some of them were just like into music and therefore go to to gigs because it was it was in a. T- I, I I also grew up in Luxembourg as as well as England. So I lived there from right. from thirteen to eighteen, and then I worked there for a year from two thousand and ten two thousand and eleven, uh-huh. and I went to in in Belgium and in the UK. The bands I would go to see were bands that I pretty much knew. In Luxembourg, I went to see a lot of bands that I didn't know, or you know maybe only knew one or two songs. Like Enter Shikari, I went to see, and they are not mm-hmm. at all usually my kind of thing, but they were amazing, and I I got into them from from watching them in Luxembourg at that time. So right. so despite i think playing for a crowd that didn't know them they they managed to rile them up and maybe actually that was to their advantage because like you right. say if, if you're in an arena tour where they're, they're the one of two support bands you know people know that they still have to go through biffy clyro that's yeah. they're not going to be so amenable to maybe you know a more curious yeah, sure. and open-minded crowd in luxembourg yeah yeah fair enough um but yeah great song i absolutely loved it um Right, song 13 is a song that someone introduced you to. So you've gone for Being a Girl by Manson. I have. Um, so as discussed, I, I do a music podcast called Over Underrated uh, with uh, my co-host Fran and you're, you're an upcoming guest on it as well. Okay. And we both started the podcast because we felt similarly passionate about music and we thought we'd be a good team because Fran is English and lives in, in England but is quite a Europhile and I, I have this kind of more diverse European background you know but we're both clearly really really into music and maybe a a little bit like my dad not so much but with Fran and I don't exactly have totally similar music tastes there's some there's some overlaps like new wave and certain indie and definitely Britpop elements like like this one is it's definitely there but uh despite having done this podcast with him now for almost two years it's not always easy to guess um what he'll like or for him to guess with me what what I will like and Manson were a band that I knew that Fran was really really into 
And actually, it wasn't technically him that picked it. It was uh, our guest, Tara Court, who, who picked it. But I think it was the first episode where the underrated band that he put forward, I got really into, like really, really right, into, okay. you know, up until that point, like, sure, he'd introduced me to some great songs by by some great bands. But Manson was the first one where I was like, oh my God, no, I, I actually want to go and listen to, to their albums. Since then, Six by Seven has, has surpassed Manson, I would say, in, in that category. But... Yeah, I, I, I picked this one because, you know, it's it's symbolic in that way. And Madison yeah. are one of those bands, and I mean, yeah, we, we did an episode on them where people know them for mostly wide open space, but they're so much more than that. And this song is very interesting because it's kind of very, yeah, punky, noise rocky to begin with. And then it goes into something way more weird and psychedelic. And mm. whether you just listen to the first bit or you listen to the whole thing, I, I think it's genius. Yeah. Yeah, there's an awful lot to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it. Yeah, again, it took me a few listens to to fully appreciate what's going on because it's yeah, it's quite long as well. There's quite quite an awful. There's mm-hmm. quite a lot going on. Um, but yeah, that's that's lovely. Little symbolic nod to over underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Have you? That's, that's nice. It's it's just it's the, the joy of doing shows like this where you actually you know get to listen to stuff that maybe you wouldn't listen to or you get introduced to bands that should be on your radar but aren't Um, that's exactly right but i will ask you have you seen the music video to this one because if you haven't treat yourself because it's only the first two and a half minutes of it and uh danny dyer is in it that is all i will say wow okay (laughs) a very young danny dyer (laughs) excellent all right i'll give it a go Mm -hmm. um Okay, song 14 then is a song you wouldn't expect to like. So you've gone for uh, Bouncing Souls, Argyle. I have. So punk is not really my genre, especially when it's a bit poppy and melodic. Um, But an ex-boyfriend of mine was really into punk and we started dating when we were teenagers and he really wanted me to teach him bass. I'm a a bad bass player. And he chose this song because he he was really obsessed with this band for, for a while and we thought, okay, yeah. it's got an interesting enough bass line, but, you know, hopefully it's one that a beginner can learn. And I yeah. am not a good teacher. He was not a good student. But still, I think he, he, <laughs> he mastered it. And right. I, had to, I had to listen to it, obviously, over and over and over again because I didn't know the song before teaching it to him and stuff. And actually, sure. I now, I don't know if it's repeated listening, but I now really, I really, really like it. Um, and I, right. I really love the bass line. And, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not together anymore, but... There's a lot of love and respect still, and you know he he was someone else who who challenged my music taste because we we dated for eleven years, and when we met he was really into punk and I really wasn't, and then he got really into metal which I really wasn't. Like I I am mine more now. So right. we argued about music all the time. So we we both really loved. <laughs> it was from a place of love, and we we both really loved music. So definitely yeah. definitely introduced each other to stuff, and I feel like on general music knowledge, I definitely introduced him in a way that that he didn't know before. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, listening to the song for the first time in a while, you know, it's not a song I listen to all the time, but it's it's one I do listen to fondly. It, it is quite a clever song because it starts off and you think it's just a pretty standard rock song in 4-4 and then it uh-huh. changes to something quite punky. But also there's something a bit almost, I don't know, I don't know if it's jazz or something, but when it gets into the main section, the, the punky bit, it's almost like mm. the singer is singing in a different time signature to the rest of the music the the guitar and the drums and everything are going so quickly sure. and it sounds like he's singing on an offbeat or something like that 
And yeah, then yeah. that happens to the most of the song until the end when it slows down and it goes back to like it was in the beginning and this this kind of very, very triumphant ending. And, mm. um, you know, it's quite a self-deprecating song. It's one that's definitely worth reading the lyrics to. And I think it kind of resonated with, you know, my ex-boyfriend's teenage angst at the time because the lyrics, it's stuff like, <laughs> Let me alone because no one wants to be hanging around with someone messing up like me. I guess my way isn't good enough. When I try, I just keep on wrecking stuff. And then the, the ending is, it's, it's triumphant, but you, the ending is when I lose every time I win because no one will ever be messing up stuff and doing things wrong quite like me. No one will ever be like me. <laughs> so, right. yeah, I, you know, I don't listen to many Bouncing Souls songs apart from this one, but this, I, I think it's, I think it's very good. Okay. Excellent. So, from the category perspective of a song you wouldn't expect to like, then does, do you think this song opened you up to more of this type of music, or is this sort of the outlier? No, it's, it definitely is the outlier. Um, the outlier. Sorry, I just saw my cat jump over my shoulder. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely an outlier. Like, I think that's it. We, especially when we, because we dated from when I was sixteen till I was twenty seven, and I think especially in our younger years, being you know both pretentious teenagers in our own little way like yeah. we just we just so we try so desperately to get the other into each other's music taste and he was really into punk and it just yeah. never quite apart from the song it never quite gelled with me and you know now I, I think i also picked it because it's at least pop punk seems to be making a bit of a comeback as well and i think yeah. what people are doing with it now is maybe a bit more interesting because it's a bit more maybe genre bending as as well sure. um and maybe the song is too but but no, it, it, I, I really don't listen to much punk as a genre. I mean, do you, or is it is it not really your thing either? Um, no, it's 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 probably one of those that um, I I, I think I would enjoy, mm-hmm. but I don't really know where to start. And mm. um, I sort of uh, I talked about this on on your show as well. But um, my music listening is so dominated by doing this show that yep. unless someone picked like a punk playlist. Mm-hmm. which reminds me of doing, I need to follow up with someone actually <laughs> who, who would do exactly that but um, unless someone did like a punk playlist like I don't think I would choose it as a genre mm-hmm. but but I, I I enjoy a lot of the different elements of it um, so yeah it would just it would just depend on the song but I really I really enjoy this um, and I think I've, I've enjoyed most punk songs that have come up in the in the show before so so yeah, I would I would definitely give it a go again. Yeah, do you um, do you ever make like playlists from your playlists? Right? So instead of having, you know, playlists per guest, you you pick maybe your favorites that people have introduced to you over the years so you could do uh I do yeah. I, I do have a um yeah, a, a, again Erin Michelle who who talked about Grimes, she gave uh, she told me that I should make a playlist and call it Top of the Pods. Um, Very good. And I had all I know I was annoyed. I'd already <laughs> made the playlist, but I was annoyed that I hadn't thought of Top of the Pods. Um, but I do have that playlist. So if, if you find the uh, um, Mixtape and Identity profile on Spotify, I have that playlist. There we go. So it's basically like the best songs that people have introduced me to um, or I've heard from like conversations around the podcast as well. So um, yeah, have a look. we're up to uh, 96 songs oh, um, great. from that. So yeah um and i haven't added any from some of the more recent conversations so i'll need to go add some more mm-hmm. but um but yeah yeah i do i do have that um 
All right, so song 15 then is a song you think everyone should listen to. So you've gone for Hypochondria by Hypo Christmas Tree Fuzz. Yes, I think that's how you pronounce it. So a bit of a tongue-in-cheek one because I know this is not for everyone. Um, Sure. But when I was looking at my playlist, I realized that there was not a single Belgian band on there and that was a crying shame because I do live in Belgium and there are many, many great bands here that I think should be more widely known. And Hyper Christmas Tree Fuzz, I don't really know how to classify them. I, I've i put that this is sort of industrial rap rock. Sure, yeah. <laughs> something something like works. that. But I mean, I they their earlier stuff is a bit more, let's say, somewhere between noise rock and art rock. It's just, you know, more recently that they got a bit more experimental and then their last album a bit more more shouty. But this this song, Hypochondria... I got absolutely obsessed with this when I heard it. Like I, I listened to it very obsessively. Um, it's very yeah. heavy. The I, I really like the way it uses percussion. So it's it's kind of heavy, heavy percussion and synths. But then there's a guy rapping. So it's it's not what you would expect with a, with a sound that heavy. I, I would expect someone to be screaming or singing. But no, he's yeah. he's rapping, and as it builds the chorus, it just gets. M- more and more ominous and more and more heavy in the percussion before breaking down there's an interlude in dutch which is quite interesting because a lot of dutch speaking belgian bands kind of purely sing in english uh as right as hyper christmas to fuzz do but uh, there is an interlude in dutch which i thought was also a nice nice touch with just just a woman's voice and and a bass line before going back to you know your last your last heavy distorted synths and and rapping and and voice distortion as well so you know i think everyone should listen to this as an example of the the creativity and originality in the belgian music scene but i'm fully aware that it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah i mean i I would i would definitely say this is one that that took me a few listens Mm. and would recommend that anyone who is going to give it a go give it a proper go and mm-hmm. listen to it a few times because yeah there's there's certain elements of it that are very i think industrial is a good word for it but like very like just i don't know if this is a proper industry term but like noise driven mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's yeah it's just kind of loud and abrasive it, but, it, the instrumentation um, because yeah his his, yeah. his rapping voice is it's quite calm actually but i think it yeah. kind of has to be otherwise otherwise it'd be too much from, from yeah, music. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, it 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 works, and it's it's a song I really really came around to. So, yeah, it's a it's a great song, and would also recommend. I'm I'm glad because uh, the album that it comes from, I really like. But I have to say, the the album afterwards, I've only listened to it through a few times because it's it's just so loud, it's so loud and so experimental right. that it's like I w- I will get to it, guys um i I absolutely will will get to it but uh if you want kind of like a further introduction uh i can't remember the name but they have an ep where they have a song Mm -hmm. called stairway to heaven which is not at all what you think it's going to be (laughs) it's not a it's not a cover (laughs) version but it's one of those songs in kind of i don't know seven four timing or something oh their ep is just called ep it's it's on Bandcamp. okay um right that is a more kind of mainstream introduction to the to their sound but it, and there's only five tracks so for the old attention span right. it's it's fairly straightforward but yeah if i had to recommend another song it would be stairway to heaven from from the ep which is a bit more in the 
I'm going to say the standard Belgian noise rock that Millionaire or Dios or well, Dios not not really, but Millionaire and another bands do. Okay, perfect. Alrighty, so a lovely note to end on there. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you have anything that you want to plug or promote? I know we've extensively talked <laughs> about your podcast already, but um, anything else, or do you you know if you want to for anyone who's uh, not across the podcast, do you want to give it a, a quick plug? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, a, a, a tough concept sometimes to explain concisely, but uh, I co-host the pod- I co-host the podcast over underrated with my friend Fran, and the way that it works is that we pick a theme like a genre, like Britpop, or a place like Leeds or Glasgow, and then we pick a band that might be considered overrated within that genre, and one that might be considered underrated so normally overrated are bands or acts that are very very famous and we're either you know asking ourselves a question of why are they so famous or you know defending them because we love them and the way that we talk about the acts is that we create five or ten track playlists of the best or the worst songs to try and convince each other that that our opinion is right and as yeah alluded to on on the podcast it is it is actually very rare it is very very rare that we unanimously hate an act or you unanimously love an act so yeah it's always interesting sure. uh for me anyway and i hope for listeners but um yeah you you never quite know what our opinions are going to be and sometimes we have guests on there and shane's been a, a guest in an upcoming episode i don't know when this is going out but maybe maybe so i'll just say you're you're an upcoming guest and and, and leave it at that <laughs> sure yeah um and yeah, that that's always interesting as well because then it's a third dynamic into it. And sometimes mm. our guests know the podcast very well, know our music taste, and know what they're getting into. Other times they they don't. And uh, and yeah, I think I think it makes it more interesting too because yeah, it's not just the two of us talking all the time. So if you like playlists, I think you will. You know, you're listening to this podcast, you might like our our podcast as well. So yeah, it's Perfect. it's. Uh, I forgot to plug the, the social networks, but yeah, it's at OU Music Pod on Twitter, at Over Underrated Music Pod on Instagram. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. This was this was a very fun exercise. To do. And that is it for episode forty-four of Mixtape and Identity. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, go and check out Over Underrated. Um, it's yeah, really good music chat. Both Fran and and Babs are excellent and very knowledgeable and talk about music in a way that I I just can't. (laughs) So it's definitely worth your time. And as we alluded to, I I will be appearing on that show at some point. Uh, They record way in advance. Uh, So I I don't know when that's coming out, but it'll be coming out at some point. Look out for that. Uh, If you like this show and you want to support it, a few different ways you can do that. We do have a coffee link set up. So if you want to throw us a couple of quid for an episode that you've enjoyed there's no monthly obligation and you can find the details in the link tree um, if you're not in a position to do that that's absolutely fine but please do support us in other ways so give us a follow on Instagram uh, give us a follow on, on Twitter although I'm useless at Twitter and uh, Moscow will have it done in no time so uh, maybe don't bother um, leave us a review uh, tell your friends get more people listening uh, say nice things all that good stuff uh, the support is very much appreciated I will be back for episode 45 next week. So in the meantime, look after yourselves and we'll speak to you then.